All right. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, does this work? Does this work for people? It's working. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that's your trivia for MSK disorders, budding orthopods, trivia when it comes to the body. So let's kind of test our wits here, shall we? At this late hour, it's cold out. It's cold in here, isn't it? Are you guys chilly? Maybe I'm just weak and frail. So compartment syndrome. Formerly is comprised of the dorsal volar and what other compartment? Josh, you have any idea? It's a good guess. It's it's more medial. It's on this side. <laughs> the mobile wad. The mobile wad. I think Cheech and Chong named this one or something. I. I, I who names anything a wad in the body? I'm, I'm not sure. So uh, anyway, it's right there. Yeah. So we got a 15-year-old stocky goat roper complains of right forearm ache and cramping, even sometimes uh, weakness after wrestling up 10 or 15 nannies and billies. It gets better when he takes a break for a bud. What is his condition? Nate, do you have any idea? I'm going around the room here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. That's that's an idea, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, without uh, this goat roper being here, we can't say for certain. But. Um, but if he had exertional related pain in his forearm that goes away after he stops and takes a, a break except for a 12 ounce curl. Okay, that's pretty common. Uh, we're, we're still on the compartment idea. Jesse, any ideas? Yes. All right. Nice. So, yeah. Sure, anywhere you have compartments, you can have that. Okay. So here's how we measure it. So you can measure a resting pressure at 15. After one minute of exercise, if it goes up to 30, or after five minutes, I'm not sure why five would actually cause it to be lower. But that's the way it is. Any theories why it might be lower after five minutes? Get weak and fatigued, possibly? I'm not sure. Anyone diagnose this ever? Somebody? Really? Yeah. Where do we most commonly get it? Yeah. Rachel, do you know what CRPS is? Have you heard of that? It used to be reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Now it's complex regional pain syndrome. It's as uh, cumbersome as the diagnosis, or as the title. The hallmark pain of this is described as burning, tearing, searing, throbbing, 
associated with, what's a word for this? Pain caused by normally painful, non-painful stimulus. Um, that's actually the second one. <laughs> or uh, I'm sorry, the third one. Hyperesthesia is increased sensitivity to stimulus. Hyperpathia is actually the second one, allodynia. So these are, these are the three defining characteristics of this. Okay. Now that's kind of acutely, you know, when it develops acutely. What are some of the chronic uh, aspects of this condition? Uh, do you have any idea, Rachel, the second Rachel? We've got our Rachels lined up here. Um, so you get trophic skin changes. You get some impairment of function, obviously, probably mostly due to the pain, atrophy, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's after it's been there for quite a while. When do you have to think about that mostly? Huh? What's that? When do you think of this condition mostly? Yeah, post-traumatic, post-surgical, and somebody complaining of this kind of pain, and you're looking at them going, I don't see that. Uh, so, you know, searing, the burning, kind of that uh, autonomic quality of the pain. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I would, I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a problem. What's the most important treatment aspect about CR whatever? <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, you got to catch it early. Have a high index of suspicion. It needs to be intervened on quickly. It's one of those conditions that has a multi-avenue uh, approach, you know, pain. Uh, modalities, PT, range of motion, medications. There are other things that can be done too. Um, what's the most common dis uh, disorder encountered by a rheumatologist and the number one reason you didn't choose that field? Fibroid, yes, of course. Yes. So it's widespread pain in four quadrants of the body, usually waxing and waning, that has been present continuously for three months, tender in at least eight, 11 of 18 areas. So very general diagnosis, right? Pain and tenderness all over. Current theories? Too many to count. They ended. <laughs> oh, it's not moving I've got fibromyalgia of the computer. Oh, okay. Treatment? Oh, I just gave the answer. Rheumatologist, of course. Come on. All right.
When pain and tenderness is localized and not associated with fatigue or other associated symptoms like in fibromyalgia, in response to manual muscle techniques, what is that condition called? This is actually, uh, you know, we use this term and we don't think of it as actually a term for this description, but it is. It's myofascial pain syndrome, right? We think of it as a trigger point or a tender muscle group, usually involving an uh, upper back, you know, the rhomboids, for example, get very tender in people. We call that a myofascial pain syndrome, okay? Might touch on this a little bit. What percent of untreated patients develop joint pain and swelling within several months of infection? It's actually higher. So keep that in mind, you know, see tender, swollen joints, uh, think about that. What's a diagnostic test of choice? Uh, might mention this as well. Uh, there are a few. It, and uh, basically the ELISA is the initial test. The first two that I've mentioned there have a pretty high false positive test. But the ELISA is the prefer preferred first choice. If that's positive, then you do this Western blot for IgM, IgA. Okay? Keep that in mind. Overuse syndromes can affect which of these? Right, Ross, thank you. I was just getting to you, and you answered that before I asked. Okay. Which ones mostly does it affect? Betsy, you have any idea? Right. The musculotendinous connection, the interface there, the insertion. Which tendon is the most commonly affected one? Betsy, do you, or uh, I'm sorry, Katie, any idea before you leave? <laughs> I got to nail you before you leave. <laughs> For, oh, for, uh, uh, yes. Which tendon in the body do you think is most commonly affected? Yeah, it's actually the supraspinatus. Okay, you can leave. Thank you. <laughs> so that's, that's due to the fact that uh, that's the most vulnerable one, uh, you know, as we lift to... Overhead work, a lot of work with our arms. What's the most common tendonitis in the hand? You mentioned it earlier, Nate. Dequervain or dequervain, however you mention it. So it involves the abductor pollicis longus, the extensor pollicis brevis primarily. But also the EPL, it's, it's a little drawn, a little inappropriately. This actually travels right with the extensor pollicis. What are those two tenons, the abductor pollicis longus, extensor pollicis brevis outline? Yeah. So vein. what test is used to diagnose that? Yeah. How do you do that? Yep. 
it's always positive. It may hit you, but it's always positive. <laughs> okay, this is kind of tough. And since it's so tough, I'm going to just ask uh, Doug to answer this one for me. What chronic degenerative condition is this? What's it pointing to there? It's a little hard to see. Even harder. <laughs> um, so what is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Calcification. Um, so actually, when you get uh, chronic uh, microtrauma to a tendon or to the insertion onto the bone, and you end up with calcification, or degeneration, degeneration of that uh, tendon, but without active inflammation. That's actually called tendinosis. Tendinosis. Uh, so this is Achilles tendinosis. Okay, what condition does this image represent? Any idea, Amy? It's not so easy. What are you seeing there? No. What's it doing? Yeah. So what condition of the rotator cuff, that's a, a hint, do you see when you see this gliding upward like that on an x-ray? Oh, I sorry. So that actually is with a rotator cuff tear. You can actually just end up seeing this gliding upward, which is interesting. Because with the rotator cuff tear, you can also get the sulcus sign when you pull the arm down. You know, you see a divot in the subacromial area. So it's, uh, it's kind of a twofold thing. You see that on x-ray, but on physical, you can get the sulcus sign. It's a burner or a stinger. Do you have any idea, Megan, what that is? Yeah, it's a yank on the brachial plexus. And uh, uh, so it's transient stretch injury to the upper trunk of the brachial plexus involving C5 or 6 is the classic definition. And so basically what happens is your head is being torqued laterally, and usually it involves a uh, inferior uh, displacement of your apical shoulder. So it's kind of this thing. A guy flying up off a motorcycle onto his head, shoulder area is the kind of the classic scenario. The arm is down at the side usually, contributing to that upper trunk injury that you get with a stinger. So we think of it as an axial load sometimes in the, in the course of seeing a kid from a football game or something, but it's actually this mechanism. How do you enter the lower trunk? How do you get a, a, a traction in the lower trunk? Yeah, Jesse? Yeah, that's right. So it's the same deal where you do have a bit of the lateral head distraction, 
but your arm is pulling outward. So your arm is abducted or up. 90% of patients with this kind of fracture have associated injuries, including rib fractures, which are most common, pneumothorax, pulmonary contusion, and head, spinal cord, and brachial plexus injuries. What's that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just remember all those things that could be associated with that. This MRI shows a contracted capsule and loss of the inferior pouch. Do you have an idea, what, sir, what that might be? Yep. It's also called adhesive capsulitis. When do we tend to see this? Older age, diabetic people, that kind of thing. About half the time it's bilateral. Okay. Keep that in mind if somebody Complaints of shoulder pain, and they're complaining that they're not able to move it well. If they're actively not able to move it well, and passively you can't move it well, this is probably what you've got. Patients who have pain in the anterior shoulder deltoid area with tenderness in the subacromial bursa and pain, though no weakness, with a near or Hawkins testing, positive. What do they have, Dan? Any idea? Yeah. Pinchment. So no weakness. If they had weakness, then they'd probably have tear, right, of their rotator cuff. Good. Very nice. So pain can be the big inhibitor of strength always, right? So keep that in mind. Sometimes we might not be able to make this uh, diagnosis or differentiate between a tear and impingement because of pain. They're just not able to comply with our strength testing. Uh, they say sometimes, and the orthopods sometimes inject some lidocaine into the joint and let it sit there a few, for a few minutes to see whether or not they actually do have legitimate uh, weakness. I think, however, they don't do that so much these days. They just go with the MRI. So. What's this shoulder injury? A Nikki idea? So what this is pointing to is atrophy, supra, infraspinatus. Yeah, no, this is a tough one because we don't think of atrophy very much with a rotator tear. But usually we don't see tears as bad. But if you have tear so bad that basically the muscle's not grabbing onto anything, what do you have? Atrophy. Okay. You can also get this condition if you have compression of the suprascapular nerve. We'll get that in a minute. Overhead throwing injury. All right. What condition call? What is the condition called when the supraspinatus muscles, their tendons, are compressed between the posterior superior glenoid rim and the posterior humeral head and the greater tuberosity? So any 
right back here. Any idea, Dave? I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> I didn't even know this, to be honest. This is interesting, though. It's called the in internal impingement. Okay. And it's basically posterior point tenderness in a thrower. Okay. Keep that in mind. It's basically pinching in the tissues. Hyperextension of the shoulder joint with external rotation causing migration of the humeral head on the glenoid is the mechanism thought to be responsible for this lesion. Uh, what is that lesion? Getting back to you, Josh. So again, it's this kind of thing. But there's, uh, there's migration in the glenoid. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the mechanism you'd think for anterior dislocation. But this condition that I'm trying to get to is this slap tear, okay? So that's the kind of way that, that it's thought that it occurs. It's actually not a definite mechanism. We're not absolutely certain, but this is the kind of most commonly held belief, okay? Now, if you get a slap tear and you develop a cyst on the torn cartilage, and that cyst will compress which nerve most commonly? Huh? No, it actually compresses the suprascapular nerve. That's what causes the atrophy of the supra and infraspinatus. And, um, that's actually the most common complication of a slap tear. That's why I had surgery a couple of months ago, in fact. I had no external rotary strain. Okay, what's the name of this shoulder x-ray? Looking for osteophytes under this sopocrimum. <laughs> I'm sorry to make you guys feel stupid. This... I mean, if we had a classroom of orthopods, they'd probably go, I don't know. But uh, this is kind of esoteric stuff. You know what? You're wrong. No. <laughs> so it's called caudal tilt. <laughs> Do you see that osteophyte here? If somebody comes in with a painful shoulder, they're older, they've done a lot of work over their head, and you get an x-ray of their shoulder and you see this, that is the reason they have shoulder pain. This just bears right down onto that rotator cuff. So it causes tendonitis. If it's really bad, it can actually cause tearing of the rotator cuff. Two most common directions of instability of the shoulder Rachel, I'm going to pick on you again. Any ideas? Anterior, definitely. And multi-directional. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm feeling mean right now, aren't I? I just... just yeah, you know, I don't want... <laughs> so we... All right. 
So we feel stupid enough. We've got to, you know, boost our egos. All right. So name the lesion. Mike, you want to hit that one? All right. Nice. Oh, geez, our staff are so intelligent. <laughs> okay. So that's a, you know, a bone. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, damage to the edge, of the posterior edge of the glenoid, right? Because you get an anterior dislocation most commonly of the uh, humeral head, and it will ride right over the, uh, I'm sorry, the anterior glenoid. Right? Anterior glenoid. Okay, what's the other degenerative bone change you can see when somebody has a dislocated shoulder history? Yeah, health sucks. What do you see there? Yeah. And where do you see it? Anterior or posterior? Yeah. Okay, definitely. So that is the... Yeah. Can't hit you up for all these... All right, who am I at here, Rachel? What do you see there? This is a tricky one. No, what's what's the principal condition? Yeah, that that's a good answer. I don't know because this is tough. We see. This is the AP of the shoulder. We see a little bit of lipping of the humeral head on the glenoid. Just the two are seemingly overlapping, right? So we need to be a little bit concerned about a posterior dislocation here. Okay, when we see the two overlapping a little bit, only slightly like this. Okay, 80% of uh, posterior dislocations are missed initially. Okay, 80%. That's a high number. And it's usually because they're related to what? Two things? Yeah, electrocution. So the pe people are sometimes gorked, so they're not able to see. Uh, tell us. Uh, but uh, with a posterior dislocation, what's the deformity you see on the humeral head if it's happened before? Instead of the hill sacs, you get the Reverse hill sacks, because it's on the opposite side. Okay? So if you really want to see. So that's posterior dislocation. What provocative test uh, diagnoses thoracic outlet syndrome? What's that? Well, I don't know that one. Nikki? Well, yeah, it's... Actually, this is kind of the, yeah, you go up and you contract your hands for about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I do that one, too. Huh? <laughs> the Nixon test. <laughs> so it's called the East. And uh, apparently it's quite sensitive at picking this up. You get paresthesias and pain extending down into your arms. Okay. Remember that the people might not comply with that particular test 
feeling pretty dumb. Oh, I got a good one. What's a terrible tryout at the elbow? Carrie, any idea? What's the bad thing that we can see in an elbow? Looks terrible. Yeah, very good. You got two out of the three. So with a posterior dislocation, you usually always disrupt because it's posterior lateral. You always get the lateral disloc- uh, lateral uh, collateral ligament disruption almost always with that condition. I'll stop here in a minute because we need to get going. When the median nerve becomes impinged in the tissues in the proximal forearm, it's called... Any idea? We know about carpal tunnel, but sometimes it gets impinged here in people who do heavy work and lifting, carrying. So they have symptoms of achiness in the proximal anacubital area, sometimes extend into the arm, but they also have median distribution numbness. Huh? No. Pronator. Syndrome is actually what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously didn't do a rehab residency. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does the nerve compress with the radial tunnel syndrome, and what condition does it mimic? And then I'll stop because we need to get going. So the radial tunnel is over here. It's about four or five centimeters distal to the lateral epicondyle the elbow, and it's slightly anterior. So if you put your arm in a pronated position and feel right there, that's where your, um, it's called the radial interosseous, or posterior interosseous nerve comes through. And it's similar to lateral epicondylitis. But lateral epicondylitis is only about one centimeter beyond, or more distal to the lateral epicondyle. You have to go further on down, but it causes pain, both cause pain on the lateral aspect of the distal elbow, okay? But with the um, anterior interosseous nerve impaired, you get the sensory changes down on the dorsal and radial aspect of the hand, okay? I've never seen that condition, but keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, I, I need to stop because we need to keep, keep going. Uh, thank you.